this idea of won't you be my neighbor really comes from this story that Jesus tells. Uh, right? He's talking to uh, this expert in the law, and the expert in the law wants to justify his actions. Anytime you need to justify your actions, you need to tread lightly, right? He wants to justify his actions, and so he says, you know, listen, I, I, who is my neighbor? Let, let's define this a little more. So Jesus tells a story. And in this story, we recognize that our neighbor is generally the person that we maybe would least like to help, but is the most vulnerable. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been having these dialogues with people who are serving people in our community that maybe you and I it might be out of our comfort zone. It may not be something that we would typically do on a given uh, given day of the week. But I hope, and, and you, maybe you're asking yourself like, Steve, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this series? Here it is. Here's the why. The why is number one, I want us to see together that there's a multitude of ways to love your neighbor. It doesn't always have to look the same, right? And that's a blessing because people come in all shapes and sizes and you have all kinds of opportunities to serve. And number two, it can happen right where you're at. We've seen, it, we've seen it in a couple of different ways, right? We saw it from somebody's house that they just said, all right, I'm gonna literally take my home and I'm gonna serve other people. And then we've seen people who have taken their job as their ministry and said, as I walk up and down the hallways of my school, this, this is loving my neighbor and this is what it looks like. Today, I'm gonna, Stephen, if you go ahead and come on up here with me, uh, we get to hear from Stephen Young today with Home Street Home. And I want to preface this by saying um, most of you who have been here uh, with, with Wellhouse for any length of time, uh, this guy's face is somewhat familiar, um, and we're grateful, we're grateful for that. Uh, if you don't know Stephen's story, I would encourage you to seek him out afterwards and uh, maybe have a coffee, or you can actually read his tell-all book. We were talking about that earlier, uh, that he just uh, released a few months back. Now, how many months ago has that been? In August. And uh, I just finished it from, from Chains to Change. And uh, it's, a great, it's a great book to helping understand Stephen and his story. But today, I'm going to give you this. Today, we're not going to talk as much about Stephen and his story or even really the Home Street Home Ministry. But today, we're going to kind of take a look at something else. So Stephen, if you want to have a seat and if you guys want to welcome him, uh, thank him for sharing with us today. Stephen, uh, I'll preface by saying uh, Stephen's background uh, has led him to the place where on a daily basis, you get to serve the homeless population here in the Nashville area. And um, anytime you do ministry, or actually, I'm just going to preface this by saying anytime in life when you serve somebody else, it can grow wearisome. Those of you who are married or have children, you can testify to this, right? How many times have you ever thought to yourself, like, if I pick up one more pair of dirty socks, you know, somebody's really going to, to the moon, Alice, right? I mean, that's just where you are, right? And you and I, we can grow weary in doing good. And so I know 
I, and I know because of my own experiences, and I know because we've had this conversation before, and, and I know um, through talking that the, the, the population that you serve, I mean, you go out and, and you do good, right? And then, and then you see this thing where everybody who you do good for, like, they, they change their whole life around, right? No. <laughs> no. It uh, doesn't quite happen that way. And so, so my question for you, Stephen, in, in all the time, energy, resources that you have on a daily basis, in and out, how do you prevent yourself from becoming weary in doing good? Well, I would like to say it's easy, um, <laughs> but it's not. And before I go any further, we don't prefer old, we prefer experienced. Experienced, I yes. like that, okay. I like that. So, you know, the new people and the experienced people. You'll understand when you get to be 65, <laughs> okay? But anyway, no, it's, it's not easy. And uh, it's a challenge every single day. Uh, and... Like anybody else, I have those mornings where I wake up and I go, I just don't want to because I know what I'm going to run into when I get out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but that doesn't last very long because my wife will tell you, uh, if I'm not out there, I'm no good to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Not to myself, not to my wife not to God mm -hmm. because that is where I feel I belong probably more than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And no offense, I know I belong here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But that, that, is, that is where I belong. You see that as your life's passion. It is. Yeah. It so is. On, on the days where you feel like, all right, I, I'm, I've, you know, I'm sure you've been burned before oh. uh, a few times. I'm sure that you daily. Have, I'm sure that you have given out time, energy, resources to people who either never acknowledged it, maybe, or or possibly uh, then they abuse that. How do you how do you prevent yourself from building up walls? Because I can tell you from from my own personal experience, and maybe you can relate. You know, when sometimes when you, when you try to help, you're like, all right, listen, I'm gonna give it my best effort, and then and then like you hit those roadblocks along the way, and you start to, I start to build up walls to say, all right, I'm not gonna help in that way again. I'm not gonna help in that way again, and eventually, you're just not you're just not doing anything anymore. So how do you, when you get to that point, how do you prevent yourself from building those walls? Well, first, what you need to know is it's okay if those walls go up. I can't tell you the number of times Andy has looked at me and said, but you said you weren't anymore, mm. you know. And I would look at her and go, yeah, but that was me talking, not God talking. Mm. So it's okay. Don't feel guilty about your walls. Feel guilty about staying behind them. Mm. That's what you need to feel guilty about. Feel guilty about adding more bricks to it intentionally and we all do that to protect ourselves uh we talked for almost three hours the other day and uh i made a cheat sheet and uh imagine that a pastor yeah. and stephen young talking for hours on end i'm sure yeah. all of you are surprised by that <laughs> and uh part of 
part of not getting burned out or not getting to the point where, like you said, you just you lose uh, the ability to to be compassionate, to be forgiving. Uh, that all comes down to expectations. Literally every single time when we feel disappointed by someone else or we feel taken, the first couple that was here, he said something that I dearly, dearly loved. And uh, I've repeated it to several other people since then. When he sat here and said, you know what? As a Christian, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it out of love, it's okay to be taken advantage of. And it's okay to be taken advantage of over and over and over again. And you know why? Because we take advantage of God every single day. Every one of us in this room. We're all guilty of it. But God doesn't look down at us and say, okay, you're no longer worthy. But how many times do we look at someone and go, I'm done. They're not worth it. They're not worthy. We want to talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. How about being the heart of Jesus? That's a whole different ball game right there. And it's not easy to do. And we talked about this idea of expectation uh, one of the one of the things that we talked about the other day was this idea of uh, the parable of the sower, right? And Jesus tells the story of the parable of the sower where he's scattering seed everywhere, uh, but only really a small percentage of that seed takes root and and grows. But but Jesus is is telling us keep you know keep, he's throwing it out all these various places, and so. Sometimes our expectation has to be in the good news that we share, not necessarily in, in what people do with that. We put the expectation on them. You need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to do different. Really, when the expectation should be on us to say, listen, are you, are you living your life full of love towards other people? Are you sharing this gospel message with other people? That's the expectation that, that we have to have. Right, and I tell people that, you know, I get contacted almost daily from people that want to get involved in doing what we do. Uh, and I usually tell them, I'm going to spend the first 10 or 15 minutes telling you why you don't, and then if you're still interested, we'll talk. Uh, because if you're looking for a way to chalk up success as far as you perceive it, you have no business doing what I do. We fail miserably on a daily basis. But what I know is something that Tom Bannon, who used to own Tom Bannon Chevrolet that I went to work for years and years ago, one thing he taught me, it was my first sales position, and he said every no is one step closer to a yes. So I've converted that to what I do and what my team does, every failure gets us one step closer to a success. Because it's in those failures 
that we really get to know them and we can build that relationship. Accepting those failures instead of expecting something else gets us closer to building that relationship. And as we all know, nothing happens without relationship. We don't get saved without a relationship with Jesus and God. The last thing I ever want to do is get to a point where I look at somebody and go, I'm done. Because here's what I know, speaking from personal experience, I know what it's like to have practically everybody in the world give up on you. One man taught me more about being a neighbor than anybody else, and his name is Mike Dotson. And Mike was going to be with me this morning, but he couldn't. I can tell you, I gave him reason after reason after reason to say I'm done and turn around and walk away. But he never did. And, I, and, and I'm not talking about just simple reasons. I'm talking about very good reasons. And I hear it all the time. Well, if I give them $5, they're just going to go buy more alcohol. Or they're just going to go buy more drugs. And I hear that more from Christians than I do non-Christians. Hello? It's a fact. It's a fact. I can tell you people that don't step foot inside a church or watch it online or anything else are more likely to give somebody on a corner a $5 bill than a Christian is. And you want to know how I know that? Because I started going to church while I was still on the streets. And I was still standing on the corner selling my paper every single day. You know what the worst day of the week was for me to stand there? Sunday. You know what the worst hours of the Sunday were? From about 8 o'clock till about 10 o'clock. They were on their way to church. And then from about 12 o'clock till about 1.30 or 2 o'clock because they were on their way back from church. You know when my best hours were? From about 10 o'clock in the morning till about noon. And you know why? Because the people pulling up then and stopping and rolling down their window and just reaching and grabbing and not counting and handing it to me, a lot of them were still in their pajamas. Their eyes were bloodshot. The only reason they showed up at that McDonald's is because they didn't get home till 3.30 in the morning. They're hungover. They need a cup of coffee. But they give. And they give. And they give. You know why? Because they don't judge based on what they know. Let me rephrase that. They judge based on what they know. They don't judge based on what they see. And we as Christians are the world's best at judging based on what we see without any real knowledge whatsoever. We see that drunk on the corner. We see that person standing there flying the little cardboard sign. And we judge based on that 
versus what we know. Now, I can promise you, when I first walked through these doors, we were right here years ago. I was accepted by quite a few. Peggy helped out on that. But I can promise you that acceptance was based on what you saw, not what you knew. Because at that point, you had no idea. A lot of you had no idea till you read the book. But I can promise you if you'd have run into me 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, 20 years earlier, I probably wouldn't have gotten the time of day out of you. How do you not get weary? Ask yourself one simple question every single time you get to that point. How many times has God gotten weary with me? I appreciate that reminder. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, your vantage point from from where you were. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of us in the room who know, some of us maybe know, but, you know, you spent some time being homeless, you spent some time in prison, uh, and so I want to ask you a question uh, based on most of us who go through life experiences, uh, and it did not turn out the way we had hoped, right? <laughs> no. Maybe some of us, it, it looks like failed marriages, or maybe it looks like failed parenting, or maybe it looks like failed finances, or failed relationships in other ways. We don't feel qualified to then turn around and then help people in those spaces. We, we feel like, well, how, how in the world would God use me when I have all this baggage back here, when I have all these things, in fact, maybe that's the reason why I need to take a step back and let somebody else is more qualified. So how did you jump the hurdle to say, hey, listen, I have, I have a past that I could write a book about. In fact, I did. Um, how do we go <laughs> And I from, didn't do that by choice, really. <laughs> how do we go, how did you, uh, and maybe help us understand, how do we leverage our past pain for God's purpose now. Because I think if, if there's anything that you've done really well, it's you've leveraged your past pain for God's purpose now. Yes, and the, the first step is you have to deal with yourself. And you have to deal with yourself honestly. Brutally honest. And that is probably the most difficult thing for either one of us to do. And we all sit around thinking we do it every day. We really do. We, we think, oh, yeah, I, I own my stuff. I used to say I own my stuff mm -hmm. until I saw it all in writing. And I went, well, no, I didn't. So that's number one. You've got to be in a position to deal with yourself. But you said something. How do I? Or how do we? Well, there's the first problem. I can't. You can't. We got to be willing to let him. I can't help anybody. I can't. But he can through me. So once you get real with yourself, once you get brutally honest with yourself, what you do is you open a door 
for God to come walking through and say, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready. But we have to go back to what I said earlier. We have to go back to realizing we have to prove ourselves to them. They don't have to prove themselves to us. God had to prove himself to us. We didn't have to prove ourselves to God. I love that point because if you know much about Scripture, you know that that uh, long before God sets out the rules, right, the, the Ten Commandments, he establishes relationship first. And he says, listen, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And this is a covenant that I'm going to make with you. And then he sees them through all of these things. And eventually, 400-some-plus years later, he gives them the rules, right? But the, the relationship aspect of that comes first, that we get to, we get to know him and, and he proves himself faithful over and over and over again uh, so that we know we can trust him. And there's a level of, of that that's true, certainly with the population that you're dealing with, and I'm sure other populations, that they need to know that we, we are faithful, that, that we are true, we're consistent, we're loving, and, and that's hard to do, but that's certainly uh, important. It is, and, and I say that a lot when I speak publicly. You know, I say we have to earn, and, you, and you can, you're right, you can apply this across the board. You can apply it to somebody that you work with. You can apply it to someone that's in your neighborhood, uh, someone that's in your your you know little bubble of the world that you live in daily. Uh, and and what did God? What was the ultimate thing that God did to prove Himself to us? He sent His Son, and He allowed His Son to be crucified. Now, show of hands, how many of you have ever gone? to that length to prove yourself to anybody. Nope. But yet we're real quick at going, they're not worthy. They don't deserve it. I've given them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I am done. Folks, We've been trying to get it right as Christians for how many years? And we still don't have it right. But yet, guess what? He's still there. And what do we preach? When you're at your worst, when you really messed up, just know God is there. And then we want to talk about being like God. We want to talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to talk all that stuff. We even had the little bracelets years ago. What would Jesus do? And we are so quick to go, nope, I'm done. I gave them two chances. Somebody asked me one time, well, how many chances are you supposed to give them? I said, how many chances have Jesus given you? How many chances have God given you? None of us will live long enough to give anybody that many chances. 
So Stephen, I love uh, I, I love the idea of really checking our expectations. In fact, I heard this quote years ago. It stuck with me. I shared it with you the other day that unmet expectations are the biggest form of grief. Uh, that when we have an expectation, somebody doesn't meet it, maybe it's a spouse or a child or whatever it is, that, that then we're really, really hurt. And so checking our expectations when helping other people, dealing with our own issues, which a lot of times, I always tell people, you want to be busy enough, you know, like look in the mirror, you're going to find some stuff there you need to work on. I love that aspect. Uh, I, want to, I want to invite our shepherds up and, and our band up as I close out with one more question to you. And this is a real practical question for, for those of us in this room, because you do what you do and you do it well. And, and I don't think uh, you or anybody else in this room wants to try to replicate exactly what you're doing. But I know that there are people, I run into this often, I'm sure everybody else does. We see, we see the person you know, standing on the street corner or we, we see the, the tents there and we think to ourselves like, I don't know what to do. Um, I, 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 do I, do I give them money? Do I not give them money? Do I, what, what exactly do I do? So some, just some real practical advice on how to help in those situations. Well, number one, you have to be willing. Number two, you have to let God direct you. And number three, you have to not worry about what they do with whatever you give them or whatever you do for them. And that's, the person, the homeless person standing on the street corner, that's your coworker, that's anybody. As the gentleman said from the front porch ministry, we've got to get to a point where we say it's okay to be taken advantage of. Because in every person's life, every one of us sitting in here, there is a moment in your life where that switch went off. The light came on, whether it was when you were saved based on your spiritual life or when you completely changed in a way that started progressing you in a direction you'd always wanted to go but couldn't quite get there and didn't know why. Mm -hmm. In every situation, there's a moment when that light goes off. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you what happens when that light goes off and there's nobody there. Because none of us can do it on our own, no matter what it is. Let me tell you what happens when that light goes off and there's nobody there. You find yourself in a motel room on Trinity Lane, never expecting to walk out of it. That's what happens. Mike Dotson asked me to go to church one time. One time. And never asked me again. Almost two years later, I walked through that door. And you know why? It wasn't that I remembered he asked. It was, I remember he only asked once, but he kept coming back. When he gave me money to do something with, and I did something else with it and lied about it, he kept coming back. When I kept screwing up over and over and over and over and over again, 
He kept coming back. And every time I didn't get a lecture, I didn't get a sermon, I didn't get talked down to, here's what I was told. It's okay. It's okay. It's just our new starting point. And he's never held it against me. Stephen, I'm, I'm thankful you're here and I'm thankful for your story and the way that God is continuing to redeem deem that story and, and leverage your past for his purpose. Uh, and, and the reminder, Galatians chapter 6, 9, uh, the writer of Galatians, he, he says, don't become weary in doing good because over time, if you stick with it, you're going to see a harvest of righteousness. And that faithfulness they talked about with Mike is the faithfulness that we have to have in, in doing good, that we just don't give up even when we want to, that we remind ourselves of our own expectation, that we remind ourselves that the, the gospel is still the gospel even when the world around us looks crazy. And we want to equip you as best we can with just some simple things that you can do on your own. So we don't expect that you're going to go out and run a homeless <laughs> ministry or that you're going to start front porch ministry in your house. You're going to have 150 kids show up, right? You got to figure out a way to feed them all popsicles or anything like that. But we want to put some things in your hand. And we have some of these things uh, out right out uh, on, the, on the tables out there. And they're just ways that you can show that you care to people around you. Here's, uh, here's one example, these uh, Tootsie Roll Pops. And on it just says, uh, sometimes things suck, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, just know that you're loved. And it's just a simple way to be faithful in doing good. There's some other ones out there as well. But we want to encourage you to bless others and don't give up. Maybe maybe this week you've been at the point where you're like, you know what, I'm about to give up on something or give up on someone. I wanna remind you to keep being faithful. Don't grow weary in doing good. And the same time, at the same time, we have uh, asked one of our shepherds, Mark, to, uh, to pray over you, Stephen, and your ministry. And before we do that, let me just throw something out there that I want you to hang on to. When, when people come on board with us, usually within the first three or four months, they're real excited, and then they start to kind of wane a little bit. And it's what we call, you just need to find your Ricky. And Ricky was a young man that uh, we never thought would come off the streets. He would die on the streets. And uh, we were that was probably one of my lowest points because I'd tried everything. I had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and literally found Ricky laying in a back alley. Uh, we had to rush him to the ER. He would have never survived another 72 hours, according to the doctors, because the infection had gotten in his bloodstream. Ricky today is married. Good job. Been sober now for six years got his life back so that's what I mean don't give up one day your Ricky will appear and it's like the 99 and the one your Ricky is that one and that's what will fuel you to keep going and they come mine personally is sitting right back there after 40 years after what I did to her and it was not nice. 
It was as ugly as it got. Now, I can teach you about patience. I can teach you about hanging in there. I can teach you about lowering your expectations. That woman right there, if you want to learn how to forgive, have a conversation with her. She can do it for you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Um, take this. If you pray with us. Dear Father, we come to you as your children. We are unfaithful in that we fail every day. But we are faithful in that we keep coming back to you. We ask, dear Father, that you give us your heart. We ask for your heart for people who are lost. We want your heart for people who are homeless. We want your heart for people facing chronic illness. We want your heart for people who have lost loved ones. We want your heart for people who have lost a job. We want your heart for people facing broken relationships. So, dear Father, give us your heart. We know that you hold us in the palm of your hand, that you are near to the brokenhearted. And we ask you now for wisdom and faith and courage and strength to look to Jesus, who, when he is lifted up, will draw all people to himself. So we want to be filled with the heart of Jesus. We want to play our part in drawing all people to him. We pray in his holy name. Amen.